Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody doing tonight? I'd like to welcome to the stage the lyrically acclaimed. I like this young man because when he came out, he came out with the phrase. He went from ashy to classic. I like that. So everybody in the house, give a warm round of applause for the notorious B.I.T. The notorious B.I.T., ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for him, y'all. Um. Oh, yeah. It's time to see an ungentrified Brooklyn smoke a big giant blunt. Bring your crew up to fame with you. Become an overnight success in the rap game and have one of the rowdiest funerals of all time. Because on this episode of Geeked Up Presents Netflix and Chat, we watched Biggie. I got a story to tell. I'm the notorious Devin MB, and with me always is the little Kim to my little C's, little Liam Whalen. Yo, yo, yo! <laughs> is Brooklyn yeah. in the house? See, for that what? intro, I was going to maybe go with the uh, Dolomite kind of intro that I did, where I did like a uh, rap rhyme to <laughs> okay, Dolomite. Say. But I figured I couldn't really go to the level of Biggie rap on yeah. this one. I think you can outrap Dolomite, but Biggie. Dolomite was know. more of like, or the lyrics wise too. Dolomite was more like a rap in Dr. Seuss, you know? <laughs> See, I was hoping you were go- going to give me the shout out as the Frank White, y'all, or as I always uh, thought my rap name would be, but White Frank. I was going to, uh, if I was ever a rapper, I would go with White Frank, y'all. No. But, well. Not on this one. You're little Liam Whaley. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> little Liam it is. <laughs> I was hoping for Frank White, y'all. Frank White, y'all. But Oh, man. But welcome to the show, everybody. Like I said. But honestly, I'm I haven't bar. been as excited for an episode since Dolomite. <laughs> All right. I'll just uh, leave it at that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. Very true. And it's a damn shame, too, if uh, Stupid Coming to America, I think when this is airing, probably comes out today. But uh, it's only on Amazon. We're the Netflix boys. So. <laughs> and again, uh, uh, be on the lookout for our primetime podcast, <laughs> our, spin- our sister project, uh, where we review only like Amazon Prime. Like I said, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I think uh, this is only the second Netflix and chat we've done in 2021. I think the first one we did was the appropriately death to 2020. Okay, uh, yes. Kind of like, and I think it's kind of been like two documentaries now. You know what I mean? Because death to 2020 was like a mockumentary <laughs> kind of, uh, you know yeah, what I mean? It was in the man, form of a documentary. Counted. And they now, were both uh, as we're lighthearted watching... and entertaining. I loved them both uh, uh, equally, I'd say. So. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I'll save either. my review till later, but <laughs> yeah. spoiler alert. Is this gonna fall? Did I Rudy's our, uh, dad twenty twenty though? I think I might have Rudy's dad twenty twenty out of like how much I loved it and trying to start twenty twenty off right. <laughs> so maybe listen yeah. back to that and remind me of what the hell I thought of that movie and make sure to listen to later in this one where you find out my official review mm-hmm. of the Biggie Doc. Although spoiler alert, I mean let's be serious. <laughs> for real. And if you're really looking ahead, keep a lookout for our uh, very special game time episode coming out soon. We're, uh, I haven't played a game yes. in a while, but we've been looking forward and we've been teasing for for a long time about getting back into game times. And then you kind of brought this to our table. Spoiler alert! But listen to uh, last geeked up, and you might get a mm-hmm. little taste of uh, some of, uh, of one of Devin's brainchilds. And then, yeah, on the spot, uh, on the spot game time idea. Listen to the uh, our show review section of it. 
You know? Yes, yeah, so when we talk about the Young Rock, I guess, the, in honor exactly. of the Young Rock premiering on NBC, we are talk a little bit about the professional wrestling biz, and Devin's got a spoiler alert, but we might have a very special guest in store for an upcoming game, Geeked Up Game Time, so definitely be on the lookout for that, as Devin said, and Absolutely. definitely check out all of our past stuff. On uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, all that, as well as YouTube. Don't forget about all the best stuff clips on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Check everything out on there, too. And uh, like we said, uh, we get to have a very special episode coming out. Listen to all the stuff we've been doing. But also, uh, to talk about this episode, too, like we said in the intro, we're watching uh, Biggie's I Got a Story to Tell, the documentary on Netflix. But this is kind of just hits on both sides of the coin. Because one, this movie just came out. It's on Netflix. So, of course, we had to watch it. But two, I think uh, on March 9th, right around the corner, is uh, Notorious D.A.Y. Yes, the Notorious <laughs> D.A.Y. As we started celebrating just last year on the uh, uh, Jammin' World podcasts. But, of course, March 9th, the day that Biggie died. The greatest rapper of all time died on March 9th. <laughs> Thank you to oh, Cannabis yeah. for... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, and I think that that probably has a lot to do with the documentary coming out now, around now as well. I think they were releasing it around you know March ninth, the time of Biggie's death, where always mm-hmm. gets celebrated every year. You know, Hot ninety seven here in New York, and I'm sure you know your local hip hop radio station plays a lot of Biggie on March ninth. But last year on my uh, the Big LW Jammin' World podcast, we kicked it off with the official notorious D A Y celebration. With a playlist, and uh, I gave you my thoughts on how Biggie's death killed the was the official death of the '90s. So we're gonna be mm-hmm. uh, uh, reposting that kind of stuff as well, and we want everybody to celebrate and try to spread the love for the notorious Day. So if you're listening to this, you know we're uh, obviously before it's getting released a couple days before the weekend before. But if you're listening to this before March 9th or on uh, or on March 9th, try to pass along the notorious Day. Love playlist and uh, documentary Netflix and chat episodes. So, absolutely, man, absolutely. And since it's kind of a holiday, since we're doing this one for the holiday, uh, before we get into this, Liam, do you want to tell them how you're going to be doing this episode of the podcast? <laughs> yes, in honor of uh, Biggie, a and special celebration DIY. in honor of Biggie Smalls. I'm going to uh, <laughs> uh, be, I guess, for the first time on the show as well, but an on-air blunt. To be smoked. Unfortunately, we have to do it virtually by myself over here. And Devin, mm. the Devin studio is right in his fucking front door of his apartment where I've got my studio tucked away in the hallway in front of my bathroom. But <laughs> we are going to uh, light up. And I unfortunately am going to be smoking the 40-year-old white guy version of a blunt. Which is a joint, mm. of course. We'll I mean, put folks, a picture of it please. on the uh, Facebook page. Yes, we will put a picture. It is a pretty fucking lethal joint, though, I'd say. Well over a gram in here. Yeah. And I want to get as stoned as possible because I feel like that's how Biggie would have podcast. Because uh, I feel like that's how Biggie would have podcasted. Let's be honest. Mm. If podcasts were around in 1996, are you telling me there wouldn't be some fucking <laughs> Biggie uh, watching his friends play Madden while fucking smoking blunts to the face? <laughs> <laughs> And me and you listening, of course, but Dude, so course. I'm going to light up and hopefully I've been known as well as a kid growing up. Uh, uh, my friends would always laugh. Uh, there was no I was known to have, quote unquote, the biggie cough because I was always <laughs> a puss while smoking joints and would cough through them. And uh, uh, everybody yeah. said I have the biggie cough. So hopefully that'll be going down. But 
Uh, I respect that. Uh, I'm the same way. the show here with the uh, uh, annual lighting of the notorious D.A.Y. joint. So <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. And while he's doing that, like we said, this is a uh, documentary we uh, we watched on uh, Biggie Smalls. And, you know, just kind of it's one of many or maybe not as many uh, rap documentaries as you would think would be out there. I mean, I guess there's more that I'm giving credit for, but... Uh, you know, Liam, as you're uh, puffing that Biggie yes. blunt. Besides a Biggie, um, well, Biggie documentary, a... what's another hip-hop documentary you would think of? Well, there's been a couple that we've watched uh, that I've watched just re- in recent you know, months here. But as well, I'd say even before we do the documentaries, maybe should we talk a little bit about the Biggie movie that has come out? Because you're right. In recent years, there's been more like famous biopics than docs, including the That's Biggie true. movie, which we hadn't even talked about yet. But did you ever actually see the movie? Because I never did. I have, watched, I have watched the movie. I didn't see it in the theaters, but I have watched it. Okay. What would you think? Do you like it or what? It's good. It's in the same vein as like, there's always been like music, uh, like music uh, biopic, but I feel like a lot of like post eight mile biopic have they've all kind of like been the same of just like, I don't know, the same feel and yeah. it's good enough. The guy that plays him is good, is really good. But, See, uh, I kind of have just been scared to, uh, 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 to watch any of those because I just figured they were going to suck. The NWA one kind of shattered that because I saw that biopic, rapper biopic, and it and it was great. Mm-hmm. But I kind of just figured the Biggie one was going to suck and didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to fucking like have that era of my life root- tarnished at all. Same thing with the 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying that I heard was, I guess, pretty yeah. good. The Tupac See, one where good? like this that, kid was literally the- genetically born just to be the fucking Tupac movie <laughs> with that <laughs> face. like For real, dude. I said that too. I, I don't care if that guy's never acted a day in his life. It's like, oh, almost like the old like Elvis rumors. Like, do you think Tupac came back to play himself in the movie and he was just like, yes, for sure. Oh uh, no, my name's Mark. Everyone's like, all right, good enough. Yeah, no, absolutely. If we were ever wondering if Tupac was dead, he's fucking acting again. He was in the RZA movie yeah. for fuck's sake. He's alive and well. Played himself. <laughs> There's a dude. Another a good hip hop movie. Not not like a hip hop documentary, but like. And it's about nobody, dude, but it's just a bunch of rappers, and it's a directed by like a guy that directed a bunch of rap videos, but I'm sure you've seen it, too, but Belly is one of the all-time uh, oh, man, standout hip-hop movies of all time. For sure. Well, that's come up on shows before, but like, also, man, talk about just an amazing acting performance from Nas and DMX to then mm-hmm. really never followed up with anything. But Nas was fucking great. Nas, who's, I guess we'll talk about on the show, but he's my second favorite rapper ever behind Biggie. But that was like a great performance, much like Ray Allen in his Spike Lee movie. It's like these guys mm-hmm. do amazing work, and then they don't follow it up with like a full career. But no, Belly was great, though. And that's one of those things, too, that you think they got the good like acting performance out of him because I forget the guy's name that directed it, but he was like Yeah, a was huge... it Hype Wilson or uh... – I think it is. I think it's like Hype Williams. Yeah, Hype Williams. Is, uh... But yeah, he, he would do all those videos at the time. Video director. So he's already worked with a lot of these guys. But like, I guess yeah, maybe to that. transition from that back into the question that you brought up with some of the sickest music videos in rap and hip hop, uh, rap and hip hop. I go the Beastie Boys, and they just had their recent uh, docu series on Apple TV mm. that me and you both upgraded our iPhones finally, so we got a free year of Apple TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me about Very it, true. fucking. So the first thing I did was watch that Beastie Boys docu. 
series, which was great. It's kind of their two men show, as we've talked about, whereas yeah, them kind really. of, it's like a, uh, uh, them just telling the story. It's not really, it's not, you know, like we, the Biggie documentary or like a traditional documentary documentary, but spliced with a lot of photos and the two remaining Beastie Boys telling all the really cool stories. I read the Beastie Boys book as we talked about on the show, but that was a fucking great, uh, just a great read, really fun stories going back and forth between just like fun punk rock, hip hop stories from their career to behind the scenes stuff. Just a really fun read. And the uh, docu-series on Apple kind of was like the two-man show of the book. Absolutely. But that was real entertaining. And just to piggyback off that too, man, because you said like best rap video of all time, but I think Sabotage is hands down like the all-time best music video <laughs> yeah. of all time. Like I mean, name I'm... me a fucking, name me a better video. <laughs> no, I mean, it's tough. Have we ever done our official music video closer look that we always talk about? I don't uh, think so, man. Yeah, but because uh, uh, we've talked about it on the show, I literally still go Coolio, uh, Gangsters, or what was the fucking Coolio that I love? From from oh, the beach to the, the hood. Beach is that yeah, the beach to hood. Slide, yeah, uh, Fantastic like Voyage. I still go Coolio, Fantastic Come Voyage. <laughs> but and if we're going cross genre, I actually go Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun as my favorite music video ever. But uh, Beastie Boys, Sabotage, it's fucking amazing. And you're right, like that's true. From... But you're also forgetting, and we should do a close look at this because you're also forgetting about like. Aerosmith had 90s music videos on lock, dude, yes, with like with Alicia between Eddie Furlong hanging around with the devil or Alicia <laughs> oh, Silverstone. I forgot Eddie Furlong was in that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, dude, living on the edge. <laughs> dude, I used to think those were so cool, and I've seen a couple of those recently, and I was just like, oh my god. The Beastie Boys dude, also as well had this, the all-time best uh, Letterman or like live TV music guest appearance where they did Letterman, but they came out from the subway. They started the performance literally on the subway and then came up the 53rd Street subway entrance onto the, like, through the back fucking doors of the Ed Sullivan Theater and finished the live performance, you know, live to tape, but the performance, like, on stage at the fucking uh, Ed Sullivan Theater, that was sick. So the Beastie Boys are, for, like, that kind of artistic shit, the Beastie Boys were, uh, were great, but... We'll get into some of the history of rap later with the uh, hip-hop, gangster rap kind of thing. That's very true. I would say another one, too, and just another, like, rap group, though, but the Wu-Tang of Mikes and Men documentary is uh, pretty amazing, dude. Free show show time trial. You can bang that one out in in your free month (laughs) easy. I I recommend doing it. And then then there's also, kind of like we were talking about Austin, there's also, like, the bio series on, I think, Hulu where it's actual, like, a – TV show where actors are playing the okay, Wu-Tang yes. and how they came up, but this is of Mike's and Men of like the actual like four episode documentary. I watched that, which was amazing. It gets the mm-hmm. guys back together uh, to watch it, kind of. It like cuts to them the way that they do their Andy Cohen reunion take, is they show yeah, all yeah. of them at the St. George Theater in Staten Island watching it, and you kind of get their their contemporary feels looking back on it. And the Wu Tang is like a really interesting story from just the all time great hip hop group to some of them now being superstars, and some of them now being like. You know, fucking virtually nameless. Lord only knows. Yeah, you know, Lord yeah, knows yeah. if they have any <laughs> yeah. money left. And you could tell some of them were kind of bitter that some of them, that Method Man was like the fucking. That Method Man is like almost won an Oscar. And... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And nobody remembers <laughs> yeah. who the fuck, you know, you got is. 
And it was a lot yeah, just to do well, with the timing and the business of it all. Fucking 47 members of yeah, one hip hop yeah. group. I've no, said this before but... in the show too. Like, I love Wu-Tang, but that's the problem. Like, dude, sitting down, like, listening to one Wu-Tang song is like, like reading a couple chapters in a book because everyone's got to get their verse. It's like, all right, yeah, <laughs> get yeah, ready for no, another 16-minute sure. song, dude. No, no, no doubt about it. And, you know, they all have, like, un- or most of them have unique enough, like, voices and styles that you can tell who they are. But you can't tell who all these fucking guys are. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 of them back and forth. Am I supposed to buy all these albums? Like, Jesus. But that was a great, though, uh, you know, document- uh, docu-series the of Mike's and Men. I got to watch this Hulu doc, though. Or this Hulu uh, series. The series? But yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. dramatized. I haven't, watched it, I haven't watched it yet either, but. We talked about it on the Geeked Up podcast. I guess I'll throw it out there. I did watch Cutthroat City. I don't know if we did. I don't know if I did mention it on the show. But we did talk about Cutthroat City, the uh, new RZA movie that came out. Oh, yes. Starring yes, yes, yes. the dude from, uh, starring the dude that looks like Tupac. Not, yeah. Yeah, not yeah, the yeah. finest of works. Enough said. I'm giving it to David Allen Greer, Damon Wayans, Men on Films hated it. But other than that... Okay, at least it's not getting a Nick Cage. Yeah. Well, it's the RZA. Okay. Fucking that's... Yeah. That's all. But... He's done some work, dude. Um, kind of on the topic of this one, too. There's also a documentary out there just called Biggie and Tupac that came out in, like, 97, I think. And it's really just focuses... More on like the East Coast West Coast beef, which we'll talk about more in this. Like how this documentary is a little different from that. But that was uh, I remember that was being a big one too because I think I forget what the book was called written around the time, but like you know a big thing of it was like both their murders are unsolved. Who did it? And yeah. no, as we've talked about, I, there's been a. Or I guess we haven't talked about it. we talked about it off air, but there's been no shortage of like coverage and media attention. On this kind of mm-hmm. stuff, there hasn't necessarily been the definitive Biggie documentary, but there's been enough, you know, especially even 20 years ago, there was like that VH1 behind the music that kind of mm-hmm. even then pretty much detailed the guy, the main suspect in the uh, Biggie death, who then died a couple years after that. So it's like a cold case, but I think it's a cold case because the guy that they know did it died, you know, for mm-hmm. his own criminal activity years ago. So uh, that's why there hasn't been anybody, like, charged in the case is because he's been dead for fucking 15 years. But it's not like yeah, there's been any, like, shortage necessarily of, you know, coverage or attention. If you've been a big Biggie fan looking for the info and wanting to relive the, you know, East Coast, West Coast rap years, there's all sorts of shit on that subject for sure. Absolutely. Um, 100%. Then I would also say another recent kind of documentary, though, about, I guess, a rapper that's, you know, uh, Jay-Z's uh, Fade to Black is a big uh, recent documentary Yep. that uh, I haven't seen myself, but... Uh, yeah, no, I didn't uh, see... Was that an Apple TV one, I want to say? Did that debut, like, on Apple? That could have been, actually. Yeah, I didn't... Uh... Because I haven't seen that either, but not the biggest Jay-Z fan. We'll probably, over the course of the show, kind of get into some of our favorite rappers of the era. But I was always uh, I was always more of a Nas guy than a Jay-Z guy. And then much like not supporting Tupac because of my hilarious suburban allegiance to Biggie. I like held a grudge <laughs> against the West Coast. but uh, So I held a grudge against Jay-Z for my Nas loyalty. And, uh, Very interesting. I mean, we could say now, we'll talk about it later too, but I mean, there was the whole, one of the more famous rap beefs, but, uh, you know, you would say career-wise, Jay-Z won that battle, but there's that one diss track from Nas, which is like maybe one of the best fucking diss tracks in the world. <laughs> yeah. 
The bridge um, is over. The bridge is over. But yeah, no, the... Uh, I think it opens up with him just going, geez, he's got AIDS. <laughs> it's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> but uh, we can maybe get into later on teaser alert, but we'll maybe be talking about some of some other documentaries that we'd like to see and some of mm-hmm. our favorite, uh, some of the rappers that we would you know like to see. Potentially that would be a good kitschy question for later on in the show. But in terms of the rapper documentaries, though, I'd say that's pretty much about it. You know, like you said, a couple, you know, documentaries about Run DMC in the beginning, you know, Fab Five Freddy and the like foundation of hip hop has, you know, been documented or whatnot. But in terms of like your favorite artists, especially from the 90s gangster era, you know, not Mm -hmm. really uh, as many documentaries yet as I'm sure there will be after this successful Biggie documentary, you know. For sure. Absolutely. And speaking of uh, successful or not, kind of will bring me to our IMDb breakdown of this movie we're watching. I've already had to put that thing out, by the way. (laughs) I'll get back to it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you guys can't see, but uh, uh, me and Liam are on Zoom, of course, because we're still in Coronaville, but uh, maybe I can try and take a screenshot of (laughs) Liam's eyes right now. But he... uh, but he looks like an old Japanese caricature that just got Dr. Seuss canceled, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and we'll get into all of that on the next Geek episode, but I'm, uh... Yeah, no, no, oh, it's going to be like, this is, this was usually like a, by my home, by my uh, home alone size joint before watching a movie at midnight and going to sleep, not before mm-hmm. like trying to conduct a fucking podcast, so... We'll see no, how it goes, but I'm already feeling right fucking now, way more stoned than usual. <laughs> yeah, right now, if I was you, I'd, this is why I'd be like, shh, nobody say anything. I'd tell them all away. <laughs> I mean, there's been so, plenty of times where me and you got way too stoned to fucking uh, to record yeah, for a good for a solid hour, in. you know? Yeah. <laughs> but we um, usually just hotbox this studio and then, like, do our prep and then do the show, but... 100%. I mean, although back in the day, we have been reviewed as the modern-day Beavis and Butthead, so <laughs> those hot boxing days. <laughs> yeah. My... That, yeah, then we did stop doing that because the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to get in the, uh, like I said, the IMDb breakdown, Biggie, I got a story to tell us what we watched. Um, it's rated, I'm not going to make you guess this time because it was just a legit documentary. It's rated R. I will give you the. What do you think on Rotten Tomato? What are we? What are we thinking? Oh, the tomato meter. Uh, I'm going a hundred percent from every from the people who didn't love this Biggie documentary. No, I'm going to give it like I give it a solid eighty-five. You know, I think that the people by okay. and large like. And this might be one of those. If you're watching this, it's probably because you like Biggie. You know what I mean? Or you're interested in Biggie. If you like Biggie, or you're interested in Biggie. I can. You know, I would imagine you really enjoyed watching this anyway. So. Correct. So it's a critics uh, give it 81%. And as now the audience score is uh, no votes yet, because I guess that would bring us into our release date, which was March 1st. So this is hot off the uh, old Netflix press. Hot off the presses, yes. So the audience score, nothing. So what, yet. we can, so then it, does my audience, so then is it officially a, a 100 if I say so? I'm the audience. I'm <laughs> fucking rating it 100. There we go. We got the first. <laughs> That's hilarious. I went on and gave me the big fat goose egg. <laughs> All right, so it's a 50. Fuck, we're... That was my review. It was like, not my type of music. <laughs> uh, this category, like we said, it's a documentary, a biography, music. 
Um, synopsis of this film by IMDb is this documentary features rare footage filmed by Christopher Wallace's best friend, Damien D. Rock Butler, best friend, and interviews his closest friends and family, revealing a side of Biggie Smalls that the world never knew. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know about the world never yeah. knew. I mean, <laughs> yeah, two issues with that synopsis is one, I don't think at any point in this documentary, Damien D. Rock was ever referred to him as his best friend. Oh, no, I think so. I think Damien D-Rock is one of those guys as well, just like from the VH. I think Oli was his best friend. (laughs) See, Oli was honestly interesting because you knew that he was going to die just from every time, Dave. If you've ever watched a documentary before, you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I got a feeling Oli's not making it fucking very far. But uh, D-Rock is one of those guys, just like his mom, they have been in every single Biggie documentary show. Like, like, I'd recognize Damien D-Rock on the street if I saw him, because he's, like, just so synonymous with being Biggie's right-hand man. And uh, Biggie obviously was just taking all of his boys with him, and I think D-Rock was one of those guys that didn't even, like, fit the team as a rapper. So I was like, here, dude, you carry the cam. He was the turtle of the gang, basically. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I was going to say, like, I always pictured that, like, Little C's was his, like, right-hand man, dude. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Little C's was, like, actually a good enough rapper, though, so he had, like, a purpose Mm -hmm. with the crew on stage. Like, D-Rock didn't even – he, like, wasn't even, like, a rapper, he was just like a straight no, up hanger out. He's got like a cool fucking nickname and a camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think like they <laughs> talked about, but, and he's always talked about, it, but he was like doing the drug operations that were, that was kind of funding and fueling the beginning part of Biggie's career. He was the one that was like actually in the streets, kind of taking some of Biggie's money and turning it into higher profit through drug sales, you know, mm-hmm. as they talked about yesterday. But oh, they do talk about, uh, they do talk about it because it's one of my favorite, and we'll get into this in a second, but just to, Finish this up real fast. It's directed by Emmett Malloy, uh, who's really kind of real quick though. Before you even get back to Emmett Malloy, the other thing that uh, that that uh, uh, synopsis got totally wrong though didn't know about Biggie. Isn't this the only thing that we know? Hasn't this been like the entire (laughs) his whole fucking point of uh, being famous is rapping about dealing drugs and doing all the shit? Yeah, exactly. One of the best Biggie quotes of all time. It was like, "Look, if I worked at McDonald's, I'd make raps about selling Big Macs." (laughs) Which is like, uh, I think Weird Al's got that market covered. Uh, but like I was saying, where's that documentary, by the way, where's the weird Al doc? There is a, uh, there's a fake funnier die trailer for a uh, weird Al documentary. And it's, uh, Jesse from breaking bads playing weird. Okay. Nice. It's amazing. I think there's one point he's just like, I'm just too weird. (laughs) It's uh, pretty fucking solid, dude. (laughs) But uh, anyway, for Emmett Malloy, the director, and like I was saying, kind of like Hype Williams, he's just known for directing music. He's like a music video director. Okay, so I see. This was his first, I think, dog feature film. Uh, the cast, which is really just real people, obviously, but just going to kind of throw everyone that's in there, and then me and Liam are going to talk about kind of some of the highlighters. Uh, but Damian Butler, obviously, uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs, uh, Violet Wallace, his mom, Little C's, Gwendolyn Wallace, his grandmother, Dave Wallace, his uncle, which we're going to get into, C. Uh, <laughs> Gutta, who uh, we'll get into, Faith Evans, Faith Evans, Hubert Sam, Donald Harrison, uh, Chico Delvec, and of course, Maddie C. from the Source magazine. <laughs> All right. Mr. C. Um, immediately, I want to say that Maddie C was the character I was waiting for to show up in this <laughs> documentary the whole time. 
which is like not because I know who he is, but just like I've seen enough like rap movies yeah, to know yeah. that like this skeezy white guy who works at the fucking magazine. Oh, that Maddie was gonna okay, show yes, up, yes. dude. Yeah, yeah. I know you were missed this. And like, sure enough, there he was with his ponytail, and was like, oh yeah, like I was doing the best on side rap. It was like, I fucking. <laughs> But then he's just like, he knew he was the white guy was going to show up and be like, of course I could. But he also said something too, Matty C, of just, uh, he lived like a block and a half away from Biggie's and they were like taking a train together sometimes. And I was like, what? Yeah. That was his inn. <laughs> lived fucking three blocks away. I got to say, Dave Wallace, just kind of like the unsung hero of the movie, but Did Reggae, Uncle, Uncle Yeah, Reggae, Uncle Dave, dude. One of the best. Who's also a musician. Now, uh, I was kind of hoping more. that he took on more of like an Uncle June bug presence in <laughs> Snoop Dogg's life. We're like, we're like, or Papa Wu from Wu Tang. Like, how, like, was he traveling to all the concerts and stuff? Like, they didn't really show him as part of the entourage as much when they showed Biggie on tour. Like, it started off with, like, you know, him uh, getting dressed, that dramatic uh, scene of Uncle Dave getting dressed for a night out. I was like, oh, dude, this is going to be amazing if they show him smoking blunts with fucking Biggie's friends at all these concerts. But then I don't know whatever happened to him. He got fucking left I mean, in honestly, Jamaica. I don't, think he, I don't think he honestly ever left Jamaica. I think he was just, like, the local town. But you know after Biggie got big, he was like, I am Biggie Smalls. Uncle, favorite Uncle Dave. Oh, he was cutting it up at the at the reggae fucking uh, mm-hmm. at the jute box or whatever they call it. I forget the fucking what they call it in uh, the stereo system, like in in uh, Jamaica. But he was killing it. Uh, what about you, man? Who's some of the uh, besides Christopher Wallace, Biggie? Who are some of like the good characters that stood out for you? Well, I guess some I of the say- uh, things that stood out, I guess, <clears throat> just uh, he uh, unfortunately that he, you know, was succumb to a, a homicide because he had fucking amazing genes and would have made it forever. His grandma was 96 and looked fucking strong as hell, like looked fucking great for 96. And uh, his mom as well. That's like I true. said, dude, if like if you followed Biggie's story over the last 25 years like us, you've seen his mom. She's aged fantastic. She looked fucking amazing for a 2020 documentary you know dude so. that's such a good point too because if i hadn't like known who they were i you could have told me that the grandmother was his mom and 100 like, oh, yeah, no doubt that totally tracks and the grandma was 96 yeah 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 no that's fucking crazy dude but uh, so that point. was fun. I'd say just like uh, uh, his other just random boys were hilarious, like D-Rock, obviously. But as well, fucking um, uh, uh, a sea gutter who was just obviously like fucking a stick-up artist. That was that mm-hmm. they had to like try to make that. Seem- well, he says it too. He's like, you know, he's like before like we got into selling crack. He's like, we weren't really doing anything. He's like, well, I was robbing people. He was like, and then he brings you know, it up like what? every story. He's like, well, you know, I was just getting done with robbing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know Chico, me, uh, that scary black guy Chico from Brooklyn Del that robs Beck. everybody. Like, uh, in that kind of same vein, you're talking about Chico Del Vec was one of my favorite characters. He was the guy that like originally started like giving him like the rocks to sell. But when he's first introed in the uh, documentary, dude, it's almost like they just told him on the spot with the cameras on like what he's going to be talking about. Because, like right when it comes yeah, up, he's like, "I'm not going to be talking about selling crack." Yeah. Like, no, he, that like, guy like, so that... obviously is addicted to crack. Like <laughs> yeah. he was so obviously high on crack cocaine during this. Fucking but like to his intro during it, dude, it was kind of like that old Dave Chappelle Little John sketch where he's like, "What? 
And then he's like, oh, actually, I uh, have. Because after they yeah, convinced yeah. him to do it, he's like, I'm not going to talk about crack. And then he was just like, I'm actually the first person that uh, sold Biggie his crack rock. He's <laughs> like, what the fuck just happened? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, you know, can I bring up something a little bit uncomfortable, actually? A character that uh, uh, to bring us down a little bit here? But what was up with creepy jazz guy? Is there anything <laughs> weird about creepy jazz guy? And again, just in a world where I you know, I know, I guess I know it's a different time, but in 2020, I look at any full-grown man that's voluntarily doing activities with a child as unless he was trying to fuck Biggie's mom. Is there something weird about this guy taking Biggie to the MoMA? Like, I get that he that was, could, you know, like just in general, if you, you know. If 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 if, if I, I get if I if, if I ever tell you I'm taking out a twelve year old because I'm trying to give back to the community, call the fucking feds, all right? Just like it's just a, no fucking adult man I think should be doing this kind of thing with strange boys unless there's. I would say that to us though is like just kind of like culturally different, where like you and I have didn't really come from hard neighborhoods where you need a mentor to kind of steer you in the right direction. Fair enough, um, for sure, for sure. Like if you're like in the group like we did, and there's like an old ukulele player taking me to <laughs> yeah. the moment then for sure call the feds another no, thing sure. i would say dude, but, and, and, and it is just Biggie. real quick a very sad indictment that i even am bringing that up and of course <laughs> a little bit facetious but honestly anytime you but hear no, I raise eyebrows immediately for sure anytime there's like an adult male voluntarily going out with a child and you're right dude hopefully it is he saw that he had artistic talent music talent was a local jazz musician was trying to show him some open up his artistic I expression but i would also to be a say concerned. too that just kind of like, and we'll talk about like, is Biggie the goat? But just the way Biggie raps, he raps about everything from like, you know, his raps a little darker to like cutting his wrist and being depressed. Or like I said, he doesn't uh, rap about selling Big Macs because he sells crack. You don't think there would be a fucking uh, fuck Donald Harrison track? Be like, yeah, he raped me when I was eight. <laughs> you know <laughs> okay, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, I think that would definitely be. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, for sure. Donald Harrison would have definitely been murdered a long time ago, but no, but definitely well, like uh, just an interesting. And honestly, I will very. Been... I think it, a, a super obvious alibi. He was trying to fuck Biggie's mom, which totally acceptable. Oh. You know, like <laughs> I'm just like even if we just can just go settle on that, then to, I give it a thumbs up. Fucking take I meant as many trips to the MoMA as you'd like. You know, fucking. But <laughs> yeah. if he wasn't trying to yeah. fuck his mom, then there was something weird with that relationship. That's all. Well, nothing, she had um... said, but. I guess Violetta, uh, she had that great line about her uh, about Biggie's dad, where she was just like, yes. "Oh, he tried to trick me, that motherfucker." He said he wanted to come over and see the kid, but he only come over at night. She's like, "You think yeah. you're gonna come over here while he's sleeping?" Get the fuck yeah, out Sue here. Ellen or whatever the fuck his name was is pretty awesome, dude. That guy, gotta be honest, he was. I'll come over. Uh, yeah, I want to see the boy. Yeah. I'll come over at uh, midnight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one two in the morning work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But good, yeah, but these are just like and kind of this. This would kind of bring us into the actual documentary itself. And of course, we're not going to give you a breakdown of like we're not going to document the. Well, documentary. he was born like, in Brooklyn and went. To... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on to your hats, guys. You see, for Saint uh, Fulton Street was a lot worse than uh, fucking Saint Gates <laughs> or whatever the fuck. He... But yes, yes, yes. But I mean, it's basically, what it is though, and kind of. Uh, just give it some points because I remember you and I talking before we watched this and it was going to be like, oh, interesting. Is there going to be any insight on like his murder or like maybe who did it and all that? And yeah. it's kind of just like, it, thing of Biggie, you always, of course, the thing is synonymous with Tupac and you think about him getting like, them both getting murdered and whatnot. 
but this you forget so much about his younger life and his actual like come up and that's why it was sounded so great to have this movie with uh d-rock having that everything filmed from like such a young age and when you see him as like a 12 year old and like you know just a young kid rapping like joking around and rapping and yeah all that stuff it's just it's definitely sh- the, the, the documentary is definitely more in a positive light versus that like you know tupac doesn't really come up at all except like the very necessary sure. aspect of it his murder is really the ending and has even kind of a place of celebration in yep. his, uh in well, that's film, a good point you know. dude and i guess maybe even what the trailer is the synopsis was alluding to in, in terms of the other side or the life that we didn't see of Biggie. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's even what it was, was the positivity because you're right. Biggie's all his whole music catalog is so synonymous with obviously the whole murder and life after death, ready to die, all that kind of stuff. But as well, just so such gritty criminal activity that you never think of Biggie as like a happy positive kind of thing so to hear about like a positive childhood and just to see footage of him and his boys laughing was definitely exactly. uh, great I think to something see. very very uh, uh relevant in this movie too is that and i think we might even joked around this before on the show but it's just that you know he died at 24 even though he looked like a fucking 40 year old man yeah yeah fucking he was a 24 year old kid and you really see that like in this film like you really see that he's like a 24 sure. year old that like he was a fucking kid that literally became a rap success overnight and like he was making money at 13 like you said 14 like fucking selling crack so yeah, he was yeah. like you know the movie kind of makes it seem like he's like all right like let me know if you're gonna come to your record deal if not i'm already kind of like a local celebrity yeah, like, yeah. you know no for sure but it's really, right, man. That's, just, a, that's a very interesting part about rap in general but they all came onto the scene when they were so young where it's just like uh, uh the, you know mob deep and snoop were like 19 and 20 years old when their mm-hmm. debut album come out biggie was you know 20 years old and uh, uh you right just all of the there was so much just relatable to you know 20 year old kid antics going on like uh, uh i was joking with you but what 23 year old kid hasn't had the conversation with their boy about how big the blunt they just smoked was like when the guy's yeah, from the hotel like yo you should have seen the blunt we just smoked we took out all the tobacco from this thing and packed it in with the pen it was awesome like with the youthful exuberance of any fucking pothead 23 year old in america you know Mm -hmm. uh, you just kind of saw that kind of side of him in this where like he was because a young like just goofy kid like hanging out smoking weed with his boys and you're right dude in in terms of focusing not on tupac and the murder but focusing on positivity it was really Mm -hmm. super positive light even his like street life and criminal activity it definitely talked about the, the drugs and, you know, rather, you know, upfront that he was dealing crack or not. Even that was somewhat glorified in the sense of just like, well, kids in the circumstance got to do what they got to do. However, they totally brushed over any uh, of violence. Like they never mentioned any street violence that he did, especially when in these one uh, interview that they used where he was talking about coming up in the drug scene. And he's just like, you know, we was dealing drugs. Then, you know, next thing you know, everybody got murdered and we was running the streets. It's just like, well, did you murder everybody? Like, is that what you're, is, is that the fucking obvious connection between all of your music about killing rival drug dealers and you just saying that? Yeah. And now you... Yeah, like, he yada, yada, yada. Over the, uh, <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, there was a bunch of guys on the street, uh, yada, 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 and now we're making a bunch of money where they used to stay. 100%. He yada yada over all the shit that he rapped no, about right. as well, and it's like he didn't even yada yada about it. It's like this documentary did, you know. It's yeah. like Biggie would have been happy to tell you about all the fucking 
guns and shit that he had. Like that was <laughs> as well, like assault, you know, various assaults and arrests and all of that kind of stuff. Like they they, mm. they just never mentioned any of that, which I'm not looking for them to mention any of that, you know. No, exactly. But uh, uh, they tried their best to make like a super positive Biggie, you know, Biggie because. You would uh, think you would think by watching this that literally he was just like a good guy, selling crack, didn't really know what he was doing, yeah. and then like before his eyes he saw, he saw murder. Like his friend Oli died, he was like, "All right, that's enough for me. I'm gonna become a famous rapper." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like bullshit, dude. Like when Ready to Die like was already like recorded before it was like maybe printed, he was still out there like on the streets and shit, dude. Like Puff Daddy talks about yeah, it in the yeah. movie. He was like, dude, it was definitely an issue of like. I knew he was going to be a star, but then I would go back to my condo in New Jersey and he would go like back down yeah. to fucking Bedford Avenue. And that's where the, all the thing with uh, the D-Rock came in and like Biggie's talked about, but all of those guys in Junior Mafia, they all got through the record label like big adva- like advancements of some degree, like Little C's and all those guys. And then they would just invest it back in the streets with that guy D-Rock. And they're like, they were all making like this whole drug enterprise mm-hmm. that was kind of being funded through music money, but then getting put into the drug business and a lot more money getting cycled back in and whatnot. So it was just like this, you know, literal like criminal enterprise that was going on that they fucking talked about. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. <laughs> last night didn't focus it on anywhere near as much as other places have focused on it but last night it's kind of just the point that we're trying to make is that they were really focusing on positivity and making it a pot and even kind of just thinking about it now it is somewhat interesting in terms of maybe we talk later on about some other documentaries that can make but looking back especially in the scope of 2020s like cancel culture a lot of rap music doesn't necessarily stand up 25 years later by con- subject matter and content you know what i mean mm. like there's a lot of misogyny going on in biggie smalls and a lot of misogyny going on you know what i mean so like if you're looking to cancel the guy you could so it seemed like they were going out of their way to like let's just focus on all positive to not fucking the fun raps <laughs> yeah exactly like but you know the one for the uh, the Dr. Dre and Ed Lover movie. We are going to focus on that song yes. a lot, exclusively. <laughs> that one. Body and bullshit. And body I guess my and other bullshit. big beef with the doc, if I can, but uh, especially it comes from it. Puffy, and they, you know, it, it, it's the Biggie documentary, and you're trying to sell Biggie as the all-time best, which I think that he is the all-time best rapper, or whatever. However, they did kind of make it seem like there was no other. New York rap scene going on between like they pretty much yada yada like you said from Heavy D and Big Daddy Kane to Biggie Smalls they mentioned that there was popular West Coast rap that came out in the time obviously Dre and NWA and all that kind of stuff but on the East Coast the uh, Nas Illmatic came out before Ready to Die 36 Chambers came out before Ready to Die like Mob Deep had their uh, debut EP Sadat X and uh, uh, like you know Naughty uh, Onyx Back the Fuck Up all came out before Ready to Die so there was a lot of other really good east coast artists the fucking only guy that mentioned nas in this whole documentary was tupac like how does nobody talk about the <laughs> emerging 90s rap scene with all of his contemporaries he made the fucking song with method man off of uh, yeah. uh the what you know the what off of ready to die he didn't mention the whole documentary doesn't mention this fucking other group of rappers in staten island that are doing their thing well you know queens had their own scene going on mob deep and nas like both of mob deep and nas and queens both albums came out or both put out albums before ready 
to die. Like Queens had their whole thing going on. Brooklyn right. had their I whole think... thing going on. And the documentary literally went from heavy D to, you know, West Coast is doing their thing. But Biggie was like, Puffy's like, I'd never heard anything like it. It's like an alien. It's like, dude, he was the best. But I mean, it's not fucking, you know, have you, uh, uh, it's not alien compared to fucking Onyx or Nas. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there are other guys doing <laughs> no, fucking no. similar enough rap. That's true. I mean, I would say Biggie definitely so. has his own style of rap that I think he meant was just like very interesting but, but alien also, I, can we fucking alien, mention no, that Nas exists for god's sakes and honestly for me just growing up in new york they were it was such like a, a scene and they're kind of also synonymous mm-hmm. in my mind together as being like this whole emerging art form and genre all came out with these amazing artists within two years to not mention any of their other existence was kind of like, dude, as a fucking yeah, sure. 90s rapper, Biggie was my the, favorite, but I mean, fuck. You know, he did talk Wu-Tang, about the other no, West Coast rappers a lot. And you're right. He didn't bring it up East Coast. I think that was the, he did that on purpose, obviously, to like show like that Biggie was going to take on the West Coast rappers. And I'd say that too, that like the reason you would bring that up is that I think you're right. Like, I, Adnaz, uh, amazing, but I think at that time though, the West Coast rap that was coming out was definitely more commercially successful. For sure. You know what I mean? Like the fucking Snoop Dogg album, Chronic, definitely. was fucking amazing. Snoop sure. Dogg's fucking uh, doggy style. And maybe was, Puffy dude, as just a douchey record exec, that's all he ever did here. Because you're right. For the, sure. The, you know, that's what commercially successful, the first ever Because those weren't just videos getting strange, played on like yeah, those weren't videos just getting played on MTV Raps. Like those are getting played on the general fucking For circulation sure. no, of they MTV. Were like the number one albums of the year. Snoop Dogg and Dre were fucking For huge, sure. huge crossover stars. So and I even think in, in that East aspect, Coast, they kind of didn't mention. But the whole Def Jam scene with Beastie Boys and Run DMC mm-hmm. was a different style of East Coast rap that was mainstream successful. And I kind of talked about in my and you can check it on YouTube this March 9th, notorious <laughs> DAY. But I talk about how, uh, like I said, Biggie's death was. Was the death of the 90s like the whole edgy artistic scene that went on in the 90s you know and uh, absolutely my point was that i talked about in that but is that that was kind of like a weird thing because i don't think that biggie and dr dre and snoop dogg like that music wasn't necessarily meant to be mainstream successful it was just so Correct. good that it became mainstream but like biggie a small like gangster rap was akin to like punk rock music you know what i mean it was like anti-social counterculture not made for the mainstream you know what i mean where uh, but they were were so fucking good they couldn't be overlooked and became mainstream and then that caused somewhat of a problem because now the number well, one artists are dr drain biggie and something's got to give in the culture you know but very true well i think another reason that like biggie though did get such a uh, got up to that popular mtv kind of play is puff daddy to give puff daddy props puff daddy did a great job and i guess i'll say bradley cooper spoiler alert if you uh, haven't been paying attention but biggie dies at the end of this one but I think uh, I think Puff Daddy did a great job of like really selling Biggie after he died because I'm pretty sure that like Life After Death came out like right after he died or maybe right before he died. But that yeah, Biggie, right Biggie, Biggie, can't you see that video? Fucking was out after he died. You know yeah. what I mean? It has that whole Sublime yeah, feel sure. of like when Sublime, Sublime was a huge album after Bradley Noel died. Yeah. And then Puff Daddy like really sold that fucking Life After Death album very well and like a fucking no post Biggie world and then also let's not forget that fucking cheesy video with him and faith evans fucking every <laughs> breath you take 
And then the award, MTV award show where Sting actually sang it with them. Oh, God, I forgot about the live (laughs) Sting on piano with Puffy. Oh, dude, that was such a fucking bummer. It was like a public fucking, like it was like a PR win for Puff Daddy. I remember like one of the craziest theories I ever heard with some kid in high school was like, you know, fucking Puff Daddy had Biggie killed. I'm like, why would you say that? I would have just like, He was like, dude, look how famous and popular Puff Daddy is after that. Puff Daddy was never a rapper. Then he had a two-disc rap album that came out, like, right after Biggie died. And Biggie, like we said, probably would have ended up getting arrested very soon for doing something horrible. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like Puffy might have saw the fucking – no, but it's a – But, like, Mo Money, Mo Problems, you would think of – Mo Money, Mo Problems, like, that cheesy fucking fucking hit. That's a Biggie song, technically, but you would definitely think of it as, like, a Puff Daddy and Mace fucking – uh, song, yeah, dude. yeah, for sure. <laughs> With and, them uh, jumping around those red and yellow jumpsuits, and, like, and they, shit, kind, like, they kind of finally admitted on the thing yesterday on the documentary, but they finally admitted that Biggie obviously wrote all of the lyrics for those other bozos, which any Biggie song, any Biggie fan obviously knew. That it's like, man, Little Kim really wrote this amazing album that one time, and then never did anything again. No, it was obviously Biggie was writing all the all the lyrics, but. Yeah, for sure. Well, Faith Evans makes that great point, too. She's like, and kind of like what you were saying, too, like how all their focus was just recirculating the money in the street and being that empire. She was like, dude, if any of them, like, really would have, like, taken the time out, she's like, Biggie would have made any of them, like, a gold record, dude. Like, like, all of them were talented. All of them were talented enough and was a fucking lyricist and, like, you know, mentor, I didn't want to say, because they're all the same age. But, like, any of them could have been, like, breakout fucking. yeah. No, I mean, Lil C's, uh... See, that Lil C song, I still fucking sing that song all the time. I know you see me on the radio. True. You hear me on the stereo. True. True. And honestly, Lil Kim Hardcore is a fucking great album, dude. Really good. Like, Hardcore is a great title, because it's, like, brutally offensive, vicious lyrics about just, like, sexual graphic nature. And I would say Lil Kim fucking paved kind of that way. Like, with no Lil Kim, there would have been no fucking Trina or Foxy Brown or fucking Cardi B, or any of that shit. Uh-huh. Little Kim, I would say, is, like, the first person I can think of that, like, came out of that hardcore, like, fucking just yeah, female rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, no offense to the Lady of Rage, but uh, Little Kim fucking did it the best, you know? But again, she had Biggie <laughs> writing all the steps, so. Yeah, exactly. Well, in the movie, too, they, like, the fake movie, like, the actor one, there's a scene where he's, like, in bed with Little Kim, and she's like, oh, let me kick a rap for you, and she, he was just like, nobody wants to hear that. She's like, she does it really good. He's like, no, no, no. Make raps about, like, sucking dick and shit. Like, no one wants to hear about you okay, on the sick. street. That's men's shit. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> fucking right, dude. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess ultimately, though, other than that, my other big kind of, I guess, complaint sort of, you know, feeling about the documentary or just surprise like we were talking about. But I was kind of expecting a more Netflix-style shocking revelations and fucking groundbreaking information that were coming out. Although, like I said, we kind of know, you know, like they had pretty much pinpointed the person who they thought killed Biggie and then that person died, got shot by somebody Mm -hmm. else or, you know what I mean? But years and years ago, so there's not really much anything, you know, much more to look into uh, uh, other than that i suppose but i kind of thought they were gonna like put all of that information into a tidy bow with like definitive fucking precision on all the info and and leave no questions unturned i'm kind of like you said really happy that they didn't because all in all it was just a much more positive fun documentary but and again, it, it was uh, – I'm with you on that, like, having finished watching it. I think that initially was a complaint of mine, but kind of like you're saying, it was nice to see a documentary 
or just any kind of real story about Biggie where like the murder and the Tupac beef wasn't the central story. Like it was nice to see fucking For sure. like, how he came up, dude. And like again, like how he was just like a fucking kid. He and- went to the MoMA with the jazz artist. I would have never who would have thought you know? Like honestly, if you listen to his albums, you'd think that he like fucking was getting cold for Christmas and never had a fucking smile in his life. You know what I mean? Like that's No, the- he was going to Jamaica. Yeah, he was going to Jamaica yeah, every exactly. summer. Like what the fuck? The uh but you know his art was such a different fucking portrayal, you know, of just like raw terror that was going on that it was great to well, see I mean, that Biggie had like a fucking, you know, half a decent life, you know. Just because uh, the documentary didn't do it, there's no reason that we can't. I mean, are we saying right now, is Biggie the goat or what about Tupac? You know, I mean, I'm going to bring Tupac in the mix. I'm a, funk, I'm a 90s dude. Is this dude. time no maybe for some, uh, for some kitschy Tupac. questions? I wouldn't even say kitschy question, so, uh, but yeah-ish. But I mean, yeah. we could play the Davi song. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the goat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was going to say Biggie, no, not the goat, because Andre Davi is a... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the goats on here, hit it, Andre. Yo, let me ask you. Kitschy questions. Kitschy But uh, yeah, I guess just to pick it right back up. Thanks, a big yeah. shout out to Andre. But is Andre Tupac Dabby, who's in this conversation? Who's definitely in this conversation? Him and uh, his version of Junior Mafia, Piss Mob. <laughs> That's true. Big shout out to the boys of Piss Mob. But I guess uh, that you really can't talk about Biggie, though, without having the age-old Biggie-Tupac conversation and all. And I feel like you're going to kind of go on a rant of Tupac's not even in the uh, running. <laughs> I feel like you kind of made it clear that you're more of well, a Well, I mean, I guess I'll give you my feeling, but as well I would, uh, uh, I guess, another part of the conversation that has to take place is a little bit of regional thing. Like we always talk about Devin grew up in Florida. I grew up in the mm. suburbs of Jersey, right outside New York. So for me, I grew up right outside New York City, kind of in the golden age of that whole movement with Nas and Wu-Tang and Biggie and all that kind of stuff. So I've got mm. just that like, you know, and again, I with the Hot 97, my local radio station playing them, all that kind of stuff. Ah. Yeah, like I was just, you know, I had a a, a just, you know, there's a devotion and, you know, a a bias to East Coast rap that I'm going to have to have in the Biggie vs. Tupac. But you were getting those old 50 Cent uh, underground tapes, huh? Oh, fuck. Yeah, that was a couple years later. But the uh, but I remember like how big it was in like I remember waiting online at Tower Record for Life After Death. And I remember on Mm -hmm. Hot 97 what a big deal it was. When, you know, Biggie would be on freestyle with Angie Martinez and just like all that kind of stuff. Like it was just a huge deal in the city culture wise going on, you know, sure. as a white kid from the suburbs, 20 miles outside of the city. That's how much it was affecting. You know, it was a, a huge out in the suburbs as well, obviously. But uh, uh, so in terms of uh, so I do say Biggie's the goat. I go Nas number two. But in terms of do I like Tupac? I do really like Tupac. I'd say he's definitely like top 10, you know, okay. top five ish, maybe top seven. I'd say somewhere in that 
mini part of the curve. So I think he's really, you know, really good. However, uh, uh, like we talked about before, but I kind of go the quality versus quantity argument with Tupac, where Tupac <laughs> has a very big catalog of material. However, not a, not all of it is great, whereas Biggie has a smaller catalog of material, but all of it was. So that's kind of where I go. Well, let's be, I mean, to me, on, to some aspect too, dude, I would say that that helps a lot with me on the Tupac side of it. And only just because... And so now do you go Tupac better than Biggie? Biggie and Tupac, I mean, I'd put him up there if not. Okay. Uh, because like Tupac was like neck. a poet, dude. You know what I mean? Like his music. And there was something I listened to, which I'll talk about in a bit, but his music really changed. There was a time where his rap was more like, you wouldn't call Tupac a gangster rapper. And then like he got fucking shot and like became bitter and got entangled with Suge Knight. Where if you listen yeah, to his albums, sure. they changed dramatically from like, honoring like women to like turning into like murder no and doubt. fucking like rape albums and shit dude and it's yeah, fucking no. but to me i guess that the point i was making though is we're both the same age so when biggie and tupac died we were like 14 15 right and then so when biggie died you know uh life after death came out and then other than that there was pretty much just like maybe a funk master flex song that you would find later with biggie on it or life or uh, ready to die but as a kid, just finding out, like, oh, there's, like, fucking nine Tupac albums, and they're still coming yeah, out. Yeah, like, dude, yeah. there's so much fucking content. And like I you said, the thing to, with Tupac was I they kept on this one because it's strictly for his, uh, his friends. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the other albums, yeah. like... But, uh, uh, no, you're right, and there was so much stuff kept on coming out, and uh, you could definitely back catalog a lot more after he died and all. And it's just to me, too. And you're right, he, was definitely, he definitely changed his style uh, a big time, and that's kind of... I almost feel like he kind of was just jumping on the gangster rap wave where just like the, the guys in NWA were from criminal activity, lifestyles in Compton and whatnot, and brought that to their music. I feel like Tupac was kind of like, hey, that's a cool thing to rap about and jumped into that game as like a cunning. He was more like a pop star kind of Kanye mind where he was doing things for an intended purpose of pushing buttons, rapping like sure. this. He was like intentionally cunning you know, business-minded uh, uh, with all of that kind of shit, where I feel to like other rappers extent. were just fucking raw in what they were. Well, before I give my two cents on that, too, because I will plug another podcast, which I never do on this show, but I'm, unless it's a L- big LW production, but uh, oh, he's packing the bowl. Done with the joint, he's packing the bowl, man. <laughs> you were, he's just celebrating notorious DAY over here. There we go. But I will say that... Uh, Oh, fuck, what was I talking about? I would just say rap-wise, though, because we're talking about, like, the goats out there. And I'm not saying they are the goats, but another thing that we've talked about that you didn't really get so much up there, but, like, the fucking Outkast albums, the Dungeon Family albums, like, okay, that yeah, fucking absolutely. Southern rap, that No Limit, even though, like, that was more New Orleans, it was still that Southern kind of fucking rap. Yeah, the Trick yeah, Daddy, the Trick Daddy was a fucking huge Especially thing. Outkast, I think, put out their first album mm-hmm. before Ready to Die came out. Like, Outkast was a, a, a out for Outkast a was out there a long, long, long yeah, time. Yeah, for dude. sure, for Fuck sure. So, those I mean, old, like, those old albums before Andre 3000 is, like, dressed like a cartoon character, dude. Like, yeah. when it was just, like, hard fucking ATL rap, dude, that shit was fucking For sure. So good, if you're, like, dude, from, you know, from Atlanta really good, in 1990 dude. or 1992, you're sitting around like, fuck, hey, man, there was, you know, other rap music going on here as well. Like, every There's a big scene, scene, scene there, down there, dude. Yeah, yeah. And then Southern Rap Adventure just at some point kind of became – Almost like more too upbeat and too goofy. Like Outcast kind of have that same. If you listen to those old original Outcast albums, like you said, 
and not even throw out, dude. Those first two DMX albums, because again, it's in our same like age range. Yeah. Dude, those fucking first couple of DMX albums were fucking hot as for fuck, sure. Dude. And DMX was like, I don't even know where he was from, but he's like his, you know, had a, just Detroit. a unique. I think he's a, Detroit, right? I mean, he, I don't even know, dude. He, like, didn't really rep a city. He was just so unique to himself. He could he also, so he also come from hell, like... which my mom predicted. Uh, yeah. I think it was the name of the <laughs> right. album, right? That's what, that's what he, he was from parts unknown hot, when fucking, uh... <laughs> Yeah. But, those but I can honestly, though, see, though, if I grew up in Florida or if I grew up anywhere outside of New York, thinking maybe, you know, having a different opinion and thinking that Tupac was better or just thinking a lot uh, more highly just, of yeah, Tupac. I, but literally being, and again, like you said, the perfect age where I was probably like too young. I was definitely too young to like Tupac before, you know, like Biggie died in 97. We were 13 or 14 years old. Mm -hmm. So by that point, I was, our, I was like, what, 12, 11 in the middle of the East Coast, West Coast thing. So that's going to just like bias my opinion forever on tupac so if i had fresh eyes i would like you know i would probably have a different that's a great take. point but i mean I would, that's I would really hilarious dude if you knew the fucking great suburban town that me and all my friends grew up in like how dedicated because that was the popular music in like the junior high school biggie no, that, like, oh, dude, that's no, what no, was that. big I, you know like grunge was, going, grunge. was yeah so it's but just it was like, you know, it was biggie and tupac though it would be like more of a discussion it was like oh, who do you like better like uh, yeah, yeah i don't know no, this is like, like Yankees Red Sox. I was like, who do you living. like better? And I was like, you know, it was, it was finally I was the right age where I could be like, can we throw Eminem in the discussion already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll do a closer but, look of favorite hip-hop stars. But, but I, uh, dude, just kind of talk guess the, about, too, like sorry, what we're talking about. And I'll just quickly plug, because it's nothing we've done, but there's a great docu uh, fucking podcast documentary. Just, and it gets more into, like, we're talking about how this documentary on Netflix was more of, like, just kind of how he came up with kind of more of the fun stuff, quote unquote. This podcast kind of gets into the nitty gritty of it, dude. And it's this podcast called Slow Burn. You have to listen to the third season. I might have talked about this show before. Yeah, no, this is the, the like, it's uh, one of those uh, uh, anthology or whatever it is. I forget uh, what's the uh, kind of series. Exactly. An, an, an anthology. It, so, like, every season's Correct. a different thing. So, the Correct. first two it's, seasons were fucking actual historic things going on. And then the third well, season was all, randomly I mean, biggie. Essentially, I was thinking about this while I was writing it. They're essentially, Slate is kind of like a political podcast platform because the first season is all about Nixon and Watergate which I thought was interesting because of, um, you know, just I wasn't around back then. It's just crazy, like, how deep the government corruption goes. The second season is all about the Lewinsky-Clinton scandal, which was just a fun thing to listen to because, of, again, kind of realizing, like, how the government worked and, like, how big of a deal that was. From my age, I just remembered from all, like, the blowjob jokes. For sure. You know what dude. I mean? For me On and you, that show. was, we were, like, 10, 11. That was just, like, yeah, Conan like O'Brien. to a girl be like, what are you, a Monica Lewinsky? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, for sure. Um, the yeah, fourth dude, season like, is all about, like, David Duke and, like, how, like, Ku Klux Klan member, like, ran for politics and whatnot. And then the third season is just called Biggie and Tupac. And it really just kind of shows where they both are, like, at certain points in their life, like, at the same time, concurrently. And how they both kind of came up at the same time, like their friendship, but more of like the okay, fucking cool. criminal sides of it. But the way it kind of fits into the fucking uh, uh, political side of it, dude, is like a lot of stuff happened with just this one guy, like ended up killing a cop and they found Tupac albums in his car. And they're like, oh, it kind of brought up that political, like gangster rap music to blame for like these fucking kids being violent. Is it like, are they a creature from violence or is violence a creature from their music? 
and like it kind of was like a big thing with like parental warnings on albums and whatnot. Yeah, there was a big discussion and like court cases went into like a couple of things from that. So it did have these two guys, these fucking two 20 year old kids did kind of have like a big, uh, yeah. not a political movement, but like things and laws were like moved around because of like them. And, uh, well, I mean, it's a really interesting, but it also deep sure. dives like who killed them. And uh, okay. oh, it's just, it's, it, it's really interesting. If you're a fan of like this documentary and all, like we are and like how big of a thing that the Biggie Tupac thing was, I definitely recommend checking out the third season of uh, Slow Burn. It's hosted by Joel Anderson, who was an ESPN and BuzzFeed sports culture and political writer, but he fucking like fits right in with the crew. He talks to It's really good, dude. Really. I mean, good. just in terms of like the censorship and all, you know, uh, just from that aspect of, you know, we were talking about the celebratory nation of uh, celebratory nature of his funeral. And I was talking mm-hmm. about the content of the album. But I mean, in all honesty, dude, like it's a totally crazy antisocial fucking uh, uh, horrible violent like the content of the album is not something to be celebrated by children and i love it i think it's the greatest album of all time ready to die but oh, obviously, yeah, to have like fucking four you know to have like little kids in the streets growing up with this album as you know glorified and romanticized that's definitely not good for society i'm not saying that the album should be fucking banned or i'm not you know but there uh, you'd hope that there'd be parental responsibility and like you'd hope that six-year-old kids ten-year-old kids you know even though like me in the suburbs that didn't have access to doing any of this kind of stuff it made me feel like a little badass and if i was growing oh, up yeah, in yeah, the yeah. bronx or brooklyn where i had access to actually being a little badass i'm sure that it fucking did influence you know how could it not influence people negatively now is that the no. fault or the responsibility of the artist or the fucking you know greater culture Dude, absolutely art? i'm but with you there's man. no like, way that, that it's a positive album and there's no way that fucking that's right no. Oh, for, sure. Words, like, for sure for sure for sure it's not made for mainstream consumption you know what i mean like it's not what should be the number one album in the country it's fucking Absolutely. crazy antisocial. now if biggie was still alive today would his albums be a little different now or would he be canceled entirely who's to say but i'm with you dude i would listen to like the old biggie albums and tupac albums as like being like in that 14 15 year old kid and feeling like a little badass and then someone would be like oh you ever seen american history x and he's like well now i don't know what to think <laughs> <laughs> but that firefighter that fireman rant I fucking no great call but I mean in all honesty dude as a little kid as a little douchey white kid from the suburbs listening to that album if I was in Brooklyn I would have been fucking mean in business you know what I mean or at least mm-hmm. the fucking you know tough friends of mine well I talk about it but... and I've talked about it multiple times on this show too but my mom taking away that second DMX album from me where he's on the album like covered in blood and my mom, I was like, Mom, it's not as bad as you think. She's like, then play it for me. I was like, yeah, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, <laughs> <seriously>. <laughs> not winning that battle, huh? Yep. <laughs> no, I'd rather you think whatever you think it is. I don't want you to know what I'm listening to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All in all, though, I would say, um, I guess kind of to get to our normal kitschy questions, though, I would ask you, uh, like we haven't done it in a while, but I'd ask you, if the theaters were reopened, which I think uh, as of airtime of this episode, I think they're just opening here in New York. Yes. Would you have gone to see this movie in the theaters? Yeah. And like is this board or is this a guy gets into it at our next geeked up episode with some Coronaville news. But yeah, we've come all the way into in New York City as of airing this on March 5th when this should be released. That is the day where movie theaters are allowed to open in limited capacity in New York City. So theoretically speaking, you know, we could have the chance 
or could have had the chance to see You Got a Story to Tell on the big screen at a movie theater and the kitschy question of would it be worth the movie-going experience to see the uh, uh, this film in particular, I would say fuck yeah, just in terms mm-hmm. of you know getting the bigger-than-life feel on the music uh, uh, videos, the speakers and all that kind of shit. Like, it's just definitely would have been fun and cool enough for me to go spend the fucking ten bucks and two hours sitting in the big theater on the big screen, grinning from ear to ear. Absolutely, man. And you make a good point with uh, the big concert scenes, too. It really does a big screen. Because my problem is that i got to change this. It's a bad just habit of mine. Is the only time I'm going to the theaters, well, this last year, never. But the only time I'm really going to the theaters is if it's a big fucking budget Avengers-type movie. And I yeah, forget sometimes effects. that, like... Mm. All movies should be watched in the theaters. Like, you're going for, like, the cinematic. Well, yeah, not yeah. all theaters. I'm not seeing fucking yeah, yeah, XX yeah. No, for H sure. or whatever the not fuck. All, but watch. there is other benefits of seeing it in the theater mm-hmm. than just special effects and, you know. Absolutely. Uh, visual kind of shit like that. And especially for any type of concert music footage kind of stuff is uh, always a fun and honestly just the biggie to me growing up with like him being my favorite music artist and the posters on the wall just has a bigger than life kind of feel so to me like this would have literally true. mean all of my friends would have got I mean, together bigger than life feel, fucking... they say it so much in the documentary when he's rapping that little dude in brooklyn on the streets of brooklyn dude and they're <laughs> yeah, like yeah. dude even if that guy would have been a better rapper just the fact that he's like five two and like he's just towering over him, bigger than life. Yeah, dude. yeah. yeah, you got to. But see dude, it, we've dude. talked about it before in the show, and we, anybody that saw Eight Mile has the same experience of when the uh, you know just that whole movie was so epic with all of those scenes, even just not the actual concert scenes, but just when they're playing the Mob Deep songs and Biggie. It's just mm-hmm. like when you're in the theater on the big screen and that it's just fucking like just as good as the Avengers or Star Wars, you know? No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I told you about it. Yeah, we all have this kind of story of our one goofy friend standing up in the middle of the like, and like, oh! <laughs> rabbit. I guess I got a kitschy question that I ask you usually, and we've, we've already teased it a little bit, but uh, Devin, as, as me, I'm the going-to-the-movie kind of guy. Devin is the franchise, uh, let's string this out as much as possible kind of guy. So uh, uh, in the vein of lots of sequels and spin-off features... Uh, Biggie, you got a story to tell. Can we see? Is this a franchise potential? Do we get a sequel right. from this? Uh, other potential rappers given docos? What are we doing here? First off, we're going to go with uh, the immediate sequel, the uh, darker gritty. It's, it's going to be called Biggie, the stuff we didn't yada yada over. And it's going to be all of the dirtier aspects of his life, all right? Yeah, just going to be called it's Yada Yada? <laughs> it's going to be the Yada Yada Cut, much like the Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah. The Yada Cut? <laughs> the Yada Cut. Um, but uh, getting sad, though, I mean, kind of like we say, you can't talk Biggie without Tupac. I kind of want to see the Tupac documentary. and, and uh, is In his the same is... vein where just let's keep it positive and talk about the fun, mu- like exactly. the amazing music. The good times. And just kind of just come up. And I just kind of feeling it just wouldn't be, though, unfortunately. I don't think it would be as, like, quote-unquote, fun as Biggie's. You know what I mean? 
I can't picture Tupac like hanging out and smoking blunts and just like having yeah, a good time. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like Biggie had a lot more fun he with it. He was a little it. nerdier. Where is that? Absolutely. And you could always say that Tupac felt like the instigator. I mean, unless you really, if you're talking to someone who's probably from California and you ask them that whole uh, studio incident, people are like, yeah, Biggie definitely shot Tupac. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I'm or sure it's all it like eye of the beholder, which no, I honestly sure. don't think he did. Just especially if you listen to that podcast I was talking about too, but yeah, um, yeah. other than that, dude, I mean, just kind of keeping the same. No, and Tupac, you're right though, man. As well, and again, even just to kind of get back into a little bit the Tupac Biggie music thing. I think for me, in terms of uh, uh, their music catalog or musically, it's not necessarily close that Biggie is a lot better than Tupac. But in terms of like cult of personality kind of situation, it's not even close that Tupac yeah. is better than Biggie. Like Tupac is a mm-hmm. bigger than life, charismatic guy. He was an amazing actor. You know what I mean? He could have been like an activist in later years. Like I think that he had so much more going for him. Well, Biggie was a better was... rapper, but Tupac was a better like just a, a presence in entertainment and pop culture. Well, let's be honest too. Tupac was already like a established rapper with like albums out when like biggie was still for like, sure just a fucking kid literally like, he doing that Tupac, rap with the fucking guy which yeah. is i hate that thing over there like they used to be friends i was like no they fucking weren't know, dude yeah. but like he was coming up in the industry and like they had met for and, sure yeah, like yeah. they were in that one the same wearing bandanas together that one time yeah, <laughs> that doesn't mean that, that, that they fucking were fucking <laughs> oh no they were fucking, <laughs> they go to fucking thanksgiving every year for fuck's sake but uh <laughs> 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 no, but uh, uh, so in terms of that, though, I think that Tupac could have had fucking amazing potential as an actor. And honestly, if, if they didn't both pass in future years, I think Tupac would have emerged to be a much bigger star. And Tupac's honestly the kind of guy that Agreed. I could have seen winning in a fucking Oscar and whatnot, to be perfectly honest. No, 100%. 100%. I agree with you. And um, I've seen above the rim. So and <laughs> for somebody, yeah, exactly. Basing this all on above the rim, but uh, but so for somebody as well that's really beloved and cherished and had like a multi, you know, faceted career and whatnot. I'm surprised there hasn't been a more definitive Tupac documentary. Oh. I guess, like you said, there was the Goofy movie, but like the the fucking kid that looked just like him stole the show on that one. You know, yeah. Oh, but, you mean him? Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. that wasn't Chuck Norris at the riot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I could definitely watch a Tupac documentary that didn't at all mention the fucking murders or anything bad happening. You know, Absolutely. how about would there be any other rappers in general that you'd want to see? We've already done Wu Tang and Be- and Beastie Boys. Scratch them off the list. Are there any yeah. other uh, rappers really interesting? I mean, obviously you'd throw out Snoop and Dre. I'd see a Snoop documentary. He I'd as see well. A Snoop, but yeah, I mean, I think I he needs to me. cover up all of his skeletons because he's like, dude, I do a show with Martha Stewart. I can't talk yeah. about fucking being. A yeah, creep. he's can't. He's, <laughs> he doesn't want everyone to remember that he was on yeah. trial for murder in '95. No, even though sure. he was making songs about it, remember it was the case that they gave me. No doubt, no doubt. But even Puff Daddy, I mean, you got to remember too that Puff Daddy had that whole thing where like he stripped shot a guy at a club with Jennifer Lopez, and then was like, "Hey, the game, you mind taking the fall for this?" Or whoever the yeah, fucking rapper yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Puffy has had a lot of fucking shenanigans and shady business in the in his background. He, I don't think, has much of like a street fun upbringing. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, no, 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 no. He would be more of like a Facebook. His movie would be like the social media. What was the fucking <laughs> the Facebook the movie network. about yeah, the yeah, fucking? Yeah. 
the social network. That'd be the puffy <laughs> story about what a fucking backstabbing douche he was at the end of the day. But um, oh, come on. I mean, he made a great song. Every breath you, him and Sting were best friends. Dude, like... I mean, if you really want to think about, it, do you remember that video? When that video, the opening that video, it's him crashing a motorcycle for some reason. <laughs> So like, probably, you didn't die, <laughs> you fucking douche. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I mean, oh, as man. somebody that loves Nas, I could see a Nas documentary, but that's also like saying, you know, everybody should watch the Bob Weir documentary on Netflix. Like, if you love Bob Weir, you're going to love a fucking... For sure. If you for love sure, the Grateful Dead, sure. you're going to love a Bob Weir documentary. Doesn't mean anybody in the world should fucking watch it, you know? But same thing with Nas. Like, does the world need a Nas documentary? I'm fucking there True. opening night, but... You know, I mean, not to give a skin to the uh, Tupac Biggie thing, but you know, when Biggie died, Tuffy made that lame ass song. When Tupac died, he already had one of the tracks. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Tupac did that. I mad at you. So I was murdered yesterday. <laughs> it was like, God damn, dude. I'll be performing at Chella next, Coachella next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Look out for my hologram in six years. Uh-huh. Well, there was that also that great. Uh, I think we're both kind of. There was that great Chappelle show episode where they're like, "Oh, here's an old." He was like, "Tupac still always coming out with new tracks." And here's like, "Oh, here's that undiscovered Tupac track that played at the club." And then like, to, and eventually he's just like commenting on things that's going on at the club. <laughs> Dave Chappelle, that's not your wife. <laughs> I forgot so, about that one. I gotta, they're all available on Netflix, so we can no, go back and watch the, the catalog. Actually, season three isn't available. What? Oh, bogus! Because Dave Chappelle wasn't getting paid for it. So okay, interesting. He made a deal oh, that was what the whole took... thing was all about. Yeah. Okay. And now it's back on Netflix, but without season three. Okay. So gotcha. he's still. Uh... Fuck. So we 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 still have to illegally pirate that one. Go fuck yourself, Chappelle. I think I still have the DVD. <laughs> so go fuck yourselves. <laughs> No, you fucking didn't. You give all your DVDs away. You fucking. No, I think it's see, actually one one of ones that made the cut. Yeah. Season three, Chappelle show and the original Star Wars trilogy. Other than that, uh, <laughs> but uh, I guess as kitschy questions go, those were quite a few. Um, so what have we done, man? We've talked some rap documentaries. We've uh, reviewed the movie. We told you what IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes thought about it. We answered those kitschy questions, which leaves us with only one more thing to do. Review this movie officially. Uh, now, usually we do this separate. We uh, each have our own. Lately, I've been having my own sound point system. Liam always has his classic uh, Nick Cage, Stone Cold, Rudy's Dead, and uh, the Men on Film. Four-point audio think, scale. In the, uh, in the vein of not starting another West Coast versus East Coast, a Biggie and Tupac feud. <laughs> yeah. Me and Liam have agreed to tie our bandanas together <laughs> and, and give uh, one one joint unite. review. We, uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one joint review of this movie. Uh, now, so yeah, but we're going to stick to the four point audio scale. However, okay. okay. So uh, I guess if we, uh, as a Gita podcast, united as a whole, I guess we'll start off if we like it, which would be the Stone Cold Steve Austin, hell yeah. But if we like it, we give it a biggie from the Source Awards going Brooklyn in the house. (laughs) Straight up Brooklyn in the house. Representing. All right. So Brooklyn in the house. if If we don't like it. Okay, similar to the Men on Films hated it. Uh, we're going to give it a I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. 
That makes sense. That checks. That makes sense. <laughs> because I couldn't stand this movie. I'm ready to die. Yeah, I'm ready to die. <laughs> uh, however, if we really, really hated it, the uh, 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 Nick Cage horror scream, however, we're going to give it a you Oreo cookie eating pickle drink juicing. <laughs> <laughs> You crying, smoking, Oreo cookie eating, pickle juice drinking, chicken gristle eating, biscuit fucking sucking, motherfucker, V8 juice drinking, slim fast blended, black greasy motherfucker. <laughs> of course, from that hilarious song where but uh, where Biggie's fucking little Kim the entire time, and she's saying fucking humiliating mean things <laughs> in one of the great '90s like comedy tracks. Remember, and we've talked about it before. That could be a closer look as well, dude. All time best comedy tracks on rap albums. We'd have to get Ross. Well, uh, comedy tracks, Ross just like yeah, like track four is Mickey on the DMX album. Who is it? It's me, Mickey. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. dude. Just like, like you're right, dude. Just like all the little fucking... sketches and skits. Yeah. I want to be a motherfucking gangster. You better ask somebody. Oh, man. That one is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that might be number one, dude. Yeah, yeah. Legend has it that that was Little Bow Wow. <laughs> oh, is that the legend? That was oh, the legend. Okay, okay interesting. Um, all right, so that was our Nick Cage Charge game. And then uh, uh, if we absolutely loved it, and I'm really excited for this one, but the Rudy's dad, if you will, on behalf of the Geeked Up podcast, mind you, but we're giving it a Super Nintendo Sega Genesis. <laughs> Super Nintendo Sega Genesis. When I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this. <laughs> Super obviously. Nintendo Sega Genesis <laughs> for the Geek Up Boys, obviously. Big Dude, shout out, amazing. big shout out to Nintendo and Genesis. Here that's at amazing. I was somehow trying to figure out a way to incorporate that into the intro <laughs> because it was geeked up. I was yeah, gonna yeah. do a Super Nintendo Sega. Very Maybe Super Nintendo isn't, but I mean that's the height of geeked up uh, entertainment right there. As high as you can get would be a Super Nintendo or a Sega Genesis. So. The only other thing I would say is for the uh, the Stone Cold Brook Brook Brooklyn in the house. Brooklyn. Do we go with the Biggie version or do we go with the Andre Davi? From the Sucka MC challenge, because I think that was one of uh, our words we had to <laughs> yeah. use in a rap song was Brooklyn. Yeah, that's and I true. Think you just had Brooklyn Biggie in the house. Andre going, in the house. Brooklyn in the house. <laughs> I think that's but, what I told him to, but then he remixed it into a <laughs> Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean that episode. If you haven't listened to it in a while, I mean uh, somebody has because the listens get more than our fucking new episodes on a weekly yeah, basis. Because uh, if you listen to that episode, my brother. Brother in law, we doing push ups for PTSD. I know me and Liam have it from uh, listening to that episode. But, um, yeah, I guess we got to talk about dude, the PTSD I challenge. Out, though, I will point out too. that um, Andre did take a lot of artistic liberties with our rap songs we wrote for the Suck uh, <laughs> MC. Yes, took a lot of beer breaks. Uh, uh, breaks to run outside and buy beer, fucking 12 ounces at a time from an apartment. <laughs> buy a six pack, you fucker. What do you do? <laughs> But uh, let's give it then our official review. And I think uh, we're speaking for both of us. Where uh, for uh, Biggie, I got a story to tell. We are giving it not the Liam version or the Andre version, but the Biggie's Brooklyn in the House. Straight up Brooklyn in the House representing. 
Brooklyn equivalent, equivalent to the Stone Cold. And we'll be honest, though, dude. I was in between. I think you were telling me that you were in between a Brooklyn in the house or a Super Nintendo Sega Genesis. <laughs> I was more on a uh, Ready to Die versus Interesting. Brooklyn in the house. But I feel like talking about it, uh, having talked about this movie during this podcast, more so after having just watched it versus last night versus talking about it today, I'm on a solid Brooklyn in the house. Okay, right? solid Brooklyn. Uh, I'd say me there's too. There's no more as well. veering back and forth. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we could both sum it up, like our thoughts about it, with just like, was it a totally pointless, you know, uh, a documentary at the end of the day in terms of with uh, uh, inf- new information or anything to the story that we haven't seen or didn't know. The, uh, get contributed yeah. no did i love watching every minute player. of it yes <laughs> you know what i mean yes, so it's just exactly. like it's super entertaining if you love biggie you're gonna love watching it if you don't know anything about biggie i think you'll love watching it if you you know uh, uh know everything there is to know about biggie and don't really mm-hmm. want to don't really need to uh, uh relive it then you're probably not gonna, you know, enjoy it. There's nothing necessarily new. If you were looking for anything stimulating about the whole case or trial, there's nothing there. But if you're looking for just, if you love Biggie and you want to relive the glory days and the uh, positivity around him, it's a fucking uh, a home run, you know? Yeah, big time, 100. percent Definitely a good watch. And I think it was only like an hour 42. I don't even know if I mentioned that, but uh. Okay, yeah, the yeah run I think time. his runtime was only like an hour 40, hour 30. So easily, yeah, easily watchable. I mean, I guess just on that real quick, maybe could they? Because like we said, the Wu-Tang thing, I think, was either a four or a six-part documentary. The Beastie Boys, I think. Four episodes. Uh, the Beastie Boys, I think, as well, four episodes. So if they wanted to do this over like a four-hour miniseries, then you could have gotten into the other to the other mm-hmm. subject matter where it's like, okay, the fourth episode is the fucking episode all about the murder. The first three are positive. The first two are positive. And then, For sure. You know, so if they wanted to add more about his actual violence or anything negative about him or get into the uh, unsolved murder case or anything, they could have miniseriesed it. But if you're just going to do a 90-minute fucking doc, let's have some laughs, smoke a blunt, <laughs> let, your, let your eye drift askew, and... Uh, <laughs> Um, absolutely, absolutely. So I guess with that, uh, the joint um, Geeked Up Boys are giving it the Brooklyn in the House in the review, house. which means that leaves us with only one more thing to do this episode, and that's ready to find out what's in the box. What's in the box? And uh, much like last time, we're going to kind of stick with this. We're going to leave it to you guys out there. Email us in on what we should watch. Uh, you know, if you don't like anything you guys say, we'll pick it ourselves like we did this time with a uh, biggie. But uh, I mean, honestly, right in. I think at there's the supposed to be a whole bunch of Netflix bangers coming all year. No, I mean something mm-hmm. has to be getting. There's plenty coming. Again, out. we have a geeked up episode, and as if well as game time, we're going to be getting into to be looking out. Very for. true. So it's going to be a couple weeks, but over the next couple weeks to a month, something huge on Netflix should be coming out. So. I agree. If not, we'll just watch all four seasons of Hip Hop Evolution. It's uh, <laughs> on Netflix. I'm counting it. Um, so, yeah, email us in, though. Yeah, and there's game time, too, coming up. Very excited for 
you guys for be that. Be on the lookout uh, for that. But... And as well this weekend, be on the lookout for some more notorious DAY celebrations. A two-hour playlist. So we actually get to listen to Biggie instead of us talking about him. So two hours of Biggie going on on the, uh, the notorious DAY playlist. As well, oh, yeah. uh, uh, my thoughts on how Biggie's death was the uh, 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 unofficial death of the 90s. As well as more about mm-hmm. Biggie for me on SoundCloud or on YouTube, so check that out. Absolutely, yeah. Listen to that on YouTube. We'll put up the link to the playlist on our Facebook page also on March 8th. Everyone, uh, have a great Notorious DAY. Email us in at thegeekedupodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, I'm the Notorious Devin MB. That's little Liam Whalen. Uh, rest in power, Biggie. Take it away, Puffy. <laughs> Take it away, Sting. This right here, tell me what goes out to everyone that has lost someone that they truly love. Y'all, this is Mr. Woo Baby himself, Andre Davi. You're listening to the Geeked Up Podcast on SoundCloud. Yeah, I'm still taking those episode 10 emails, y'all. Woo!